Okay. You're all welcome once again. And um, we will zoom straight into the, the word of God. So we've been studying the book of Matthew for, um, I think, I don't know how long. We've had a lot of sessions. And, um, we've, we've actually got into chapter 17. That means that we've, we've learned 16 chapters, um, verse by verse. And um, I'm sure we've, we've learned a lot. Okay, if, if you couldn't join any of the sections, you, you can always um, let me know so I, I send you the recordings. Okay, so today we are going to do chapter 17 to 20. And as you know, it's going to be a lot of work. So I'll try my best to finish. Today we have to finish, we have to finish chapter 20, up to chapter 20. Okay, good. So um, I, I usually start by summarizing what we've done so far. So today I'm going to summarize it quickly so that it doesn't take much of our time. So um, we started with Matthew chapter one, where, I mean, the, um, the whole theme of Matthew chapter one is just the introduction of the genealogy of Christ, okay, starting from um, Abraham. And, and of course, when you look at the genealogy very well, it's, it's, it shows us all the, the various kings of, of Israel, okay? Of course, signifying that Matthew is describing Christ as a king. Okay, then we went to Matthew chapter 2, which talked about the, um, the wise men. Okay, we, we came to a conclusion that they were not three. Okay, the fact that three gifts were mentioned doesn't mean that the wise men were three. Okay, and we saw the plot to kill Christ, and um, it's, it's, it's significant, okay, linking it to um what happened during um, um how do you call it um, moses time okay when pharaoh also wanted to kill all the other children okay then we came to matthew chapter 3 where we introduced john the baptist and his ministry uh, of course we saw that john's ministry was actually baptism unto repentance and preparing the way for christ then um, we saw that the the um, baptism of christ and in chapter 4, we saw the temptations of Christ and the introduction of the ministry of Christ. Then in chapter um, 5, 6, and 7, that talked about the Beatitudes, okay? Or, I mean, sorry, the, the Sermon on the Mountain, okay? The Sermon on the Mountain. The, the chapter 5 talks about the Beatitudes. When you take the, um, verses 1 to, um, I think, verse 12, it talks about the Beatitudes, and we understood the meaning of the beatitude. Then chapter 13 talks about we being, I think, the light of the world. Then the next verse, we being the salt of the world. And the next verse talking about we being the city set upon the hill. Then it's ended with what I called the, the, the transcendent life of a believer. Where Jesus said, when someone slaps you, you turn the other cheek. And we understood the meaning of that. That it um, actually shows the kind of life that you have received, okay? And we, we concluded that we don't mean when someone is slapping you, just um, stand there for the person to slap you. Okay? But we are saying that your response, your immediate response when someone slaps you will tell you the kind of life that is inside of you. So when someone slaps you, or when someone steps on your toe, your immediate response is going to tell us whether you have the life of God inside of you or not. Of course, always, I mean, sometimes when you are walking through town or something, when someone slaps someone, you, you know, when you see the, the various response that people give, you can tell... Um, those that are actually Christ-like and those that are not, okay? So therefore, um, it, it's just something to show us. 
and the chapter five ended by encouraging us to be perfect even as um, 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 our heavenly father was perfect then we went to chapter six which talked about um, um prayer and we saw that the most powerful prayers are prayers that are prayed in your closets and this is because we are not saying public prayers are not powerful but we are saying that for public prayers there is always that tendency to um, um actually um, um, pray to to please people as the pharisees were were doing okay and we came to of course that same chapter ended with what we call the aim of life where um christ advised us that the aim of life should not be the possession of riches okay but um of course he was not saying that riches are not good but he was saying that we should make spiritual transactions where we can um convert our our physical resources into spiritual blessings because in heaven no thief nor moth nor rust can corrupt our inheritance okay then we went to chapter seven where chapter seven talked about certain important things of course the first being do not judge other people okay we understood that when we say don't judge other people it does not mean that when someone is doing something bad you don't point it out to the person okay and that same chapter talked about um um, um also a form of prayer okay asking god and you saw that you're supposed to ask seek and knock and you came to a conclusion that these three um, actions are not um, the, um how do you call it? independent okay it's just a spectrum because anytime you ask god is going to give you um, um a direction then you seek that direction to lead you to a door then you knock that door and the door shall be open so you see it's it's a it's a spectrum okay but we even concluded that if even if you get to the door you knock that door and that door is not opened which is a form of rejection remember that rejection is a form of redirection okay then we came to chapter eight and nine where we looked at 10 different miracles of christ okay and um, of course in chapter eight the key miracle over there was the the fate of the of the of the centurion okay how the centurion received fate for his servant to be healed then in chapter um, now we looked at the woman with the issue of blood and we use that as an advantage to look at the concept of faith where jesus said it's your faith that has made you who we looked at the, the subjective and objective faith and we came to a conclusion that you see sometimes you might have faith but um how do you call it what, what you are looking for um, um is, is, i mean it doesn't come to pass okay so in that state it doesn't mean that you didn't have faith okay but yes though our faith is important ultimately the most important thing is god himself so god will decide whether to give you what you are looking for or not okay so sometimes it's not always that you didn't have faith for it but sometimes god thinks that um, what you're asking is not um what what you need at that uh, specific time okay and we also came to a conclusion that at times someone's faith can work for you and the example we used was um the girl that died okay the girl was dead but i mean um when jesus was raising her from the dead whose faith was that okay of course she was dead she didn't have any faith okay but her father's um, faith worked for her okay and that brought us to um, chapters 10 11 and 12 where we looked at christ sending out his disciples and then most importantly the the transition from the word disciples to um, apostles okay um, and that, that was something very important about the end um, the key event over there was chapter 12 which we always say is when the Jews publicly denounced Christ and they attributed the miracles of Christ to Beelzebub, that is the demon of flies, okay? And that was when Christ actually um, also now shifted his, 
the focus from the Jews to the Gentiles, okay? Chapter 13, we looked at the seven kingdom parables and their contemporary implications, okay? Then chapter 14 to 16, that was what we did last week. Um, we, we, we looked at certain miracles, okay? And then, um, of course, we, we, we looked at Jesus feeding the, um, um, the multitude. We saw that on two occasions, Christ um, fed the multitude, okay? One, he fed, um, 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 how do you call it? 5,000 and 4,000, okay? And we looked at um, um, the, the significance of that, of course. Uh, how he, he calmed them down, how he, he, he took the, the little bread and fish they had, how he gave thanks to God, how he broke the thing and how he multiplied it, okay? And we looked at its significance in a person's life that God, you see, any little thing that you have, if you place it in God's hands, he can multiply it, okay? That's if you give your life to Christ, okay? You might be an average person, but God is going to make you have a global impact than someone who is even gifted. That's if only you hand over your life to Christ, okay? So that was that was, that was was where we, we ended, I mean, the chapter 16. So now we are going to look at chapter 17, and straight away you will begin. So uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taken Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, that is Elijah, talking with him. Then, then answered Peter, okay, so let me, let me explain the, the first three verses, okay? So here... And we are looking at six days after the last incident in chapter 16, okay? Jesus took three of his disciples. Now, remember that Jesus had about 500 followers, okay? And out of this 500, he had um, 120, okay? And out of this 120, he had 12. And out of the 12, he had the core three. And the core three were Peter, James, and John, okay? You remember the Sunday school, son, Peter, James, and John, okay? So these people were the three core. Okay, so now Jesus took these three and brought them up into a, a high mountain. Oh, and I'm sure by now you have seen that, as I said earlier on, usually God gives, before God gives any revelation, he takes his people up onto high mountains, or he takes them up. Okay, and here you saw that he separated the three disciples from the rest. That means that, you see, if you want to have a revelation about, of God, okay, if you want to have a strong fellowship with God, there should always be what is called the separation, okay? The, the, the separation. So you set yourself apart, okay? What is also termed as sanctification. You set yourself apart from the multitude because the revelation of God, okay, is so precious to him that he does not want it to be wasted. So he will set you apart and he will bring you up onto the mountain, okay, mountaintop. Of course, we saw in the book of Revelation, when you read Revelations um, chapter, I think chapter four, okay? You, you are going to see about there that before God showed John that revelation, he brought John up. So he said, come up, Peter, okay? So come up, Peter. So he, he took John up before he showed him the revelation. And here, they are going to receive a certain revelation. And then we are going to see that, um, um, we, are, we are going to see that um, that was the reason why he brought them up onto the, the, the mountain, okay? So, um, this mountain 
some people believe it's, it's, it's a mountain we call them the Mount Tamok, okay, but um, the name was not actually um, recorded here. Good. So that's the verse one. And the verse two is saying that he was transfigured before them. Okay, now when, when you look at the meaning of that word transfigure, that is the word metamorpho, okay? And it's that same word we get the word metamorphosis, okay? And that means change. That is an outward change, okay? This, this is an outward change. Yeah, there are different forms of change when, 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 when you are looking at this word metamorpho, okay? We can look at an outward change and an inward change, okay? So the same metamorpho, we, we, we can have something which is just showing you something that is changing on the outside. Okay, in this case, this, this transfiguration over here is, is, is an outward transfiguration where um, he's actually, his face is actually shining and then his raiment became um, white, okay? But there's also another form of transfiguration, which is a mental transfiguration, okay? Where there is a change of mind. That is also another form of transfiguration. Okay, the outward transfiguration, we will call it metaschematozomai, which is a glorification of the outward person, okay? Uh -huh. It talks about glorification, where you enter a place and then we see, we, we can feel your glory, okay? And then when you talk about the, the other transfiguration of the mind, that is being transformed by the renewing of the mind, Romans chapter 12, okay? And that form of uh, mental transfiguration is what is called metanoa, okay, which is change of mind. In this case, we are looking at the outward change of Christ, which talks about um, the change of his, his, his face and then his raiment. And um, now this, this is going to be very important because um, we can compare this to the, <clears throat> the Old Testament where we saw the face of Moses also shining, okay? But in the book of Hebrews, okay, chapter 12, Paul, I believe is the writer of Hebrews, is going to actually make a contrast between the transfiguration of Christ, okay, and then the, the trans, in quote, transfiguration of Moses, where Moses' face was also shining after he had seen the, the, the glory of, of God. Of course, um, he's going to say that the, that transfiguration of Moses was temporal, okay, because um, he had to cover his face such that uh, the people do not see it as to avoid the, the glory from dissipating, okay. Of course, it was a temporal glory which, which faded away. But the transfiguration of Christ is actually permanent. Okay, good. Now, let, let's go on to verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Now, how did these people know that this is Moses, this is Elijah? Because we are looking at almost 5,000 years after, after these people had, had, had left the scene. Okay, so how did... Matthew know? How did Peter even know? Because in the verse 4, Peter is going to mention their name, Moses and Elijah. Of course, um, some writers believe that uh, maybe Jesus mentioned their names or they introduced themselves, okay? But um, whatever the case is, um, they were able to recognize that this is Moses and this is Elijah, okay? Now, let's look at the verse 4. Then answered Peter and said unto, unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Now look at the arrogance of Peter. Like it is good for us to be here. If thou will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Hmm. Now, why these two? 
okay? They are, why, and what, what is even the meaning of this? Why did Jesus go up there? And which meeting was he having with these, these two people? Okay, now we are, we are going to see the significance of this transfiguration and its implication. So one, one, um, it's Moses and Elijah, okay? Now, I'm going to give us about five, five reasons why Moses and, is Moses and Elijah, okay? Now, the first, the first reason is that um, this is what is called a trans-dispensational meeting, okay? Because in this case, Moses represents the law, okay? Elijah represents um, the prophets, and Christ represents grace. So this was a meeting that was essential to, um, um, if I should say, lead to that shift from the dispensation of the law to the dispensation of grace. Okay, there had to be that form of meeting. Now, anytime there is going to be a change or a shift in dispensation, there is always something like this, okay? So for example, when Moses met God, okay, in the mountain when he had gone there for 40 days and 40 nights. Before Moses received the law, okay, that was going to um, initiate us into the dispensation of the law. You see, there was that glorious appearance of, of, of God where the face of Moses was shining, okay. That led to the, the shift from the dispensation of um, whichever, I mean, the previous dispensation, okay, based on um, the classification of dispensation you are using, okay. And that initiated us into the dispensation of the law. And now we are going to shift into the dispensation of grace. And there has to be this spiritual meeting, okay, or something I called in quote the spiritual handing over, okay, to initiate us from the dispensation of the law into the dispensation of grace. Okay, so that is one thing that um, you, you should look at over here. Now, the second thing that I want us to emphasize. Okay. Is is that oh, sorry is that um moses over here okay and as i said represent the law elijah the prophet christ grace okay now another thing you should um look at over here is that um we, we are going to compare as i said the glories of um the glories of the dispensation of grace versus the dispensations of the law okay and you know that um, the dispensation of the law I mean, that glory is fading, and then it's initiating us into a dispensation of, of grace, okay? Good. Now, um, when we move to the book of Revelations, okay, when, when you go to the, the book of Revelation, okay, we are, we are going to see over there that um, I, I don't want us to read because we don't have much time. But when you go there, those of you that have read, you realize that um, there were two people we call the two witnesses, okay? Um, the two witnesses. And these people were, um, okay, let, let's, let, let's go there and see. Let's go to Revelation 11. Okay, I mean, see what, what is there. Okay. So let's see. So there were two people we, we call the, the two um, witnesses, okay? Uh -huh. Let, let's look at verse 3. Okay, say that, and I'll give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy um, a thousand two hundred and three score. Okay, that means thousand two hundred and sixty days. 
and when you get to Matthew chapter 24, and we are looking at eschatology, okay, I'll bring everything in perspective so that you understand what, what is going on at the end times or what will go on in the end times, okay? But we know that there's going to be a period of tribulation, okay, which is going to be for seven years, okay? But it's actually divided into two, the first three and a half years and the last three and a half years. The first three and a half years is 1,260 1, days, okay? And it's during this period that God is going to send two people, okay? And they will come on earth over here and preach to the people, okay? Of course, all these things happen after the rapture, so the church will not be here, okay? So those that will remain, God is still going to make room for them. So he's going to send two witnesses for them to come in and, and, and preach unto them, okay? And then, but let's look at the power that these people had. Let's look at verse 6 and 7, okay? So these people, they have the power to shut, shut heaven, okay? The power to turn water to blood and the power to smite the earth with what with plagues okay good now why is this important because a lot of people have been wondering who these two witnesses are okay and i am someone who believe that the two witnesses are actually elijah and moses okay those that appeared um, um on, on on the mount of transfiguration okay why am i saying this because when you look at is that they have the power to shut down the heaven. And you notice that Elijah was the one who shut down heaven for how many? For three and a half years. And here we are, as I said, the seven-year tribulation period is divided into the first three and a half years. And it was during that three and a half years that he also shut down the, the heavens. Okay, so here we, we are not wrong if we say that one of the two witnesses is going to be um, Elijah. Okay, now when you go to the second one, he said, and have power over the water to turn them into blood. Who turned water into blood? Of course, it was Moses when, when um, he was in Egypt, okay? And also smite the earth with plagues. Of course, it was also Moses who did that. So what I'm saying here is that um, these two people um, that we are looking at in, in Matthew chapter 17, okay? They can also be the two witnesses that will appear on earth, okay? And and we, we are not wrong if if we, 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 we say that, okay? Good. Okay, I, I don't want to spend much time um on, on 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 this part but there are a lot of things that we can um glean from from this 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 scripture okay the the, the last thing i'll add is that um the the meeting that they they had could have also been a meeting um which was discussing um the the death and the resurrection of christ okay because i'm saying this because moses died okay elijah did not die so moses dying over here represent that christ is going to die um, Elijah, who didn't die over here, but was transfigured, is going to, I mean, it also implies that Christ was going to raise up from the dead, and then he was going to be ascended into heaven, just as Elijah was, I mean, Elijah ascended into heaven. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's also another thing that we, we can pick from, from this. Let's, let's move on, okay. Let, let's move on. Now, let's go to verse 4. Now, here, most, I mean, Peter is saying that he wants to build three tabernacles. The mistake Peter made over here was that he was trying to equate Elijah, Moses, and Grace, okay? But they are not the same. Christ is superior. Christ is above all of them, okay? So you cannot equate them by making them three tabernacles, okay? Let's go to verse 5. And while he yet speak, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Okay, this, this is the, the Shekinah glory of God. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now, this is, this is the second time the, the father is speaking about this, okay? The first time was when um during the, the the baptism of christ okay and this is the second time that um we are hearing this okay let's 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 go let's go to verse six and when the disciples heard this they they fell on their face and they were afraid and jesus came and touched them and, and said arise 
be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw they saw no man save Jesus Holy. Okay. And the, the only thing I want to add over here is that um, of course, um, this this should tell us about the direction. I always look mention the direction of our prayers. Okay. Our prayers should always be upwards because they, when they lifted up their eyes onto them, where they lifted their eyes up, okay, to God. And they didn't see any man, but the only person that they saw was Christ. Okay. And 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 that should be the, the only person that you, you should see should be Christ. That's right. And when they came down from, from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Okay, verse 10 is saying that. And the disciple asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must come first? Okay. So when you when you look into the old testament, okay, it is prophesied that Elijah must come. Moses must come. Okay. It's all I mean the, I mean Elijah so not look at um, uh, Malachi, Malachi chapter 4 is stated over there that Elijah must come, okay? Okay, then Jesus is saying verse 11, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall come first and restore all things, but I say unto you that Elijah has come already and they knew him not and have done unto him whatsoever they listed, okay? Likewise shall this also the son of man suffer of them, okay? Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist, okay? So John the Baptist is someone, you see, he came in the power of Elijah. Because when you look at, when you compare Elijah and John the Baptist, you realize that there are some similarities, okay? Elijah used to wear camel clothes and then he also ate wild locusts and he was in the wilderness. I mean, the same thing for um, John the Baptist, okay? So John the Baptist is someone who came in the power of Elijah. Verse 14, and when they came down uh, um, to the multitude, there came unto me a certain man kneeling down, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is lunatic and he saw, I mean, vexed, okay. And oftentimes he falls into the fire and he falls into, oh Jesus, and he falls into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, uh, If you have faith as a grain of the master's seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove thence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Okay. Now, here, um, let, let me just go up a bit and, and just summarize what is going on over here. Okay. What, what I want us to emphasize, I mean, I, I mean, I want us to um, understand over here, is that um, this same same scenario is seen in the book of Luke, okay? But in the book of Luke, what actually happened was that Jesus, Jesus asked the guy one question, that how long has this child had this condition? Okay, and the man said, since he was a child, since he was a child. Now, the question is, why was Jesus asking this guy this question? Okay. Now, before I even answer that question, okay, let's let's cut here. He said that he said that for sometimes he falls into the fire and he falls into the water. Uh, and he's saying that he asked the guy, How long has your child had this condition? And he said that since he was a child. Okay, now he's asking this guy this question to point to the to the guy that you see, your child had this condition. He was falling into fire, he was falling into water, but I am the one that sustained him throughout from childhood until now, and he had not died. Okay, because it is God who said that even though you walk through the fires, you walk through the waters, I shall be with you. Okay, so when he was falling into the fire, he was falling into the water. 
Christ was still with him. So he asked the guy, how long has your child had this condition? Just to let the guy know that your child has been fallen into water, but he, he was not dying or he didn't die. He fell into the fire. He didn't die. Why? Because there was someone that sustained him even before the time of his deliverance. So many times when we go through struggles and situations, okay, before God delivers us, he sustains us in the fire. An example of this is seen in the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? When they, they were in the fire, okay, of course, who sustained them in the fire? God sustained them in the fire before they were even, eventually delivered, okay? So sometimes when you look in your life and you see all the things you've gone through and how you didn't die or you didn't break down, God is the one that sustained you. Of course, that's a lesson that I want, I want, I want us to emphasize by here. And the next lesson we can look at this is, is, is the concept of unbelief, okay? Um, unbelief neutralizes one faith. Unbelief makes one ineffective in the kingdom of God. Unbelief makes one's, um, 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 all, all the spiritual blessings that the person has, okay? It, it becomes ineffective, okay? But the, tw the 21 is saying that, yeah, and, and this Jesus actually emphasizing, okay? He's, he's, he's emphasizing that there are certain things that, Charlie, prayers, faith alone will not work, okay? You need prayer and fasting, okay? So this kind, that means that there are various kinds, okay? And the reason why the, the, the disciples could not do anything about it is because, of course, they had not prayed, they had not fasted. Now, here is Jesus, who was a man of fasting and prayer. So a lot of things were possible, I mean, um, to him, okay? Let's, let, let's go to verse 20. Um, 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And on the third day he shall um, um, be raised again. Okay. And here you see Jesus prophesying that he was going to die. Okay. And they were exceedingly sorry. And when they came to Capernaum, there, that, I mean, sorry, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Okay, do it not your master pay tribute? And he said, Yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tributes of their own children or, or of strangers? Okay. And Peter said unto him, Of strangers. And Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take up the fish that come up first. Okay. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take and give to them um, for me and thee. Okay. So here he is. I mean, these people came to him for um, that. They wanted to, to take um, um, tribute or task. Okay. But this 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 tax that they were, they were taking is actually it's a, it's a type of tax that only strangers pay. Okay. Um, if if you are um, a native of that um, 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 how do you call it city or or in Israel, you are not um, supposed to pay that tax. Okay. But um, um, Jesus said that so that we, we don't offend them, you go catch fish, open them up, take money out, and then pay them, okay, so that we don't offend them. So that's actually what is going on over here. Okay, let's, let's go to chapter 18. Okay. And at the same time came Jesus unto the disciples, saying, sorry, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now look at these disciples. They are fighting amongst themselves who is the greatest in the, in the, in the kingdom of heaven, okay? And we, we shall see, we shall see it um, um as, as we move on that i mean there was that kind of competition um, amongst them okay who who wants to be the greatest okay verse 2 and jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst and saying verily i say unto you except ye be converted and become as little children ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven now here he's not saying that 
um, which would be, I mean, he, um, this brings the distinction between childish, okay, being childish and being childlike. They're not the same, okay? Jesus is not saying we should be childish, but he's saying we should be childlike. Childlike in terms of humility. Childlike in terms of absolute dependence. You see, children depend on their parents absolutely. Okay, so those that are going to be great in the kingdom of God, okay, um, of course. And even here, we are, we are seeing that he, he's not only saying those that will be great in the kingdom. He said that um, if, you, if you don't become as this little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, verse 4. And whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what Jesus is saying, that humility is that which makes one great in heaven. Okay, the reason why Christ is the greatest is because he is the humblest. Philippians chapter 2. Okay, say that he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself unto death, and therefore God has exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. That's at the name of Jesus, every knee, every tongue shall confess that Christ uh, is Lord unto the glory of God. Okay, therefore the one that is, is, is um, how do you call it, um, the humblest is the one that is the greatest. And, and that, that seems quite paradoxical in, in the systems of this world. Okay, people want to show that they are, they are something, okay, arrogant and all those kind of things. But the greatest are actually those that are humble. Let's go to verse 5. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. But who, sh who so shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? It were better for him that a milestone were hung about his neck and be drawn into the depth of the sea. So this is, this is Christ telling us about how precious each and every one of us is. One, if you're a child of God, you are precious in God's sight. He's saying that if any devil attempts to attack you, it is better that that devil hangs um, a, a weight around the neck and um, just, um, how do you call it, be drawn into the depth of the sea. Okay, because we are precious into, into God's hand. Okay, verse 7, and we will spend some time over here. Woe unto the world because of offense. For it must need that offenses come, but woe to um, that man by whom it comes away. Now, you see, what Jesus is saying over here um, is that um, it is impossible, but offenses will come. Okay, it, it is impossible. You see, you are, you are going to offend someone. Even if you live uh, a life that's, um, how do you call it? You, you think that, oh, you are okay. Okay, you, um, how do you call it? You are, you are trying to live a life that you don't want to offend anyone. Even by that, people will get offended. Okay, so Jesus is saying that offenses will come. Okay, um, um, of course, Jesus makes it plain that it is impossible to live without offending someone or being offended. Okay, no matter how you try to navigate your life, and I mean, in, the, in this life, okay, you can even sacrifice and give up everything you have to people, but um, and, and someone will, will obviously offend you, okay? And when it comes to the concept of offense, the people that offend you the greatest are the people that are closest to you. Of course, if you sit in a truck and then the mate insults you, of course, you're not going to really get offended like your best friend really insulting you, okay? Um, so therefore, um, when someone offends you, we are going to see that there are two ways in which you can actually um, deal with that offense, okay? You can either forgive that person or you are going to um, live a life of revenge, okay? Um, and Jesus over here is saying, woe, woe unto the world because of, of offense, okay? For it must needs be that offenses will come, okay? Verse 8, wherefore, if... Um, thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them um, from, from thee. For it is better for thee to enter into life halted or maimed rather than having two hands 
or two feet and be cast into everlasting fire, okay? Of course, Jesus is not saying that go and cut your hands off, okay? Uh, no. But what he's saying over here is that if there's any aspect of your life that you think is going to lead you to hell, quickly deal with that. If there is someone in your life that is making you sin, okay, there's, there's something that is um, it's making you um, not exude the life of Christ. He's saying over here that quickly cast that thing out, okay, verse 9. And if thy eyes offend you, plug it out and cast it from thee. It's better to enter into life with one eye than having two eyes and then be cast into hell. Of course, anytime I read this, um, um, I remember, I remember um, some of the cases that we, we have on the world over here that um, um, someone will have maybe cancer of the leg, right? Um, tumor of the leg. And then we say that, no, I don't want them to amputate my leg. And then it will kill them. You see, I mean, sometimes when, when I read it, this, this, is what, this is what comes to mind, okay? He's saying that it's better, you see, if your eyes offend you, plug it out, let them amputate it. Uh, it's better to enter into life with one, one eye, in this case, one leg, than to have two, two legs, but you are dead, okay? Um, of course, the same thing, women with, with breast cancer. Sometimes we say that, oh, we are going to cut your breast off. Said, no, I want to have two breasts, okay? And then, I mean, they will die, of course. I mean, I was tell them that it is better to have one, one breast and leave them to have two and die. That's just by the way. Verse 10, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, their angels are always beholding the face of my father, which is in heaven. Now, this is telling us that the, the I mean, the concept of angels are real, okay? And their angels, that way, that's, that's, I mean, when you look at that phrase, in, that in heaven, their angels, their angels, okay? So um, he's saying about, and this is in red. That means Jesus is the one speaking, okay? That means that you have an angel, okay? And you see, sometimes when you're in your room and you are doing certain things, you are not conscious that there is an angel in the room that is observing everything you do. Your messages, the videos you watch, whatever you do, there's always an angel in that room, okay? And when you are conscious of even the angels, when you are conscious of the angels, okay? Not only the angels, you are conscious that God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. That alone is enough to kick some sense out of your life. Uh, sometimes people turn off the lights and do all manner of things. And I tell them that if you turn off the lights, who are you hiding from? And this is because they have a lesser conceptualization of God. They, 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 they do not understand that God is everywhere. They do not understand that when you, <laughs> you turn off the lights, God is light. God can see everything. Okay. So, I mean, that's just, um, by the way, uh, where is this? Okay, let, let's go to verse, verse, verse um, 11. Uh, for the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. How think he, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them go astray, um, do he not leave the ninety-nine go into the mountain and seek that which has gone astray? Of course, I mean, this is what we, I mean, the song called the uh, Reckless Love, if, if you listen to it. What, what is happening here is that Jesus is not saying that the ninety-nine are not important, okay? But what he's saying that is that that one soul is as equally important as the remaining 99. Because the emphasis of Christ over here is in the soul. Okay, Christ does not make the assumption that I have 99, so I'm going to leave the one. Of course, I have, I have a lot of things. Okay, for example, if you, you lose your tempest with, you say, I have maybe 5,000 cities in my account. This tempest was, what, what am I using for? Okay, but God is not like that. Every soul to him is precious. Okay, and that's, that should be the emphasis over here. Verse 13, and if 
um, so be that he find it. Verily I say unto you, he, re he rejoiced more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which were not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go to him and tell him his fault. Okay, and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he shall hear you, you gain your brother back. But if he shall not hear you, then take um, D one or more, okay? Um, that is in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So we seeing that if you speak to the person, the person does not um, listen, okay? Of course, get some influential people and try to speak to the person. Okay, verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, then tell it to the church. So you see the processes. Don't just start, um, how do you call it? Um, I'm going to tell everyone about it, okay? Start trying and sort the issue with the person, okay? And verse 17 is that, but if he neglects to hear the church, then let him be put, um, let him be unto thee as hidden man and, and, and a publican. Um, of course, he's not part of the church because um, Christians should be should, should be forgiving. Okay, that's what Christ is saying over here. Um, Verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in, in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, then it shall be done for them um, of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered okay um together in my name there i am in the midst of them so you see here the gathering is two or three okay and the gathering should be in his name okay so this gathering over here it should be in the name of christ and he shall be there okay now um two or three of course these are numbers in in the hebrews and of course we know in hebrews all the numbers have significance okay um, two two stands for witness okay three also stand for witness but two stands for um, earthly witness, and three stands for heavenly witness, okay? Um, that's, that, that's just by the way. Verse 21, then came to Peter and said unto him, Lord, how often shall I, um, of course, he said, um, forgive my, my brother when, when he sins against me. Is it seven times? Now, why is, why is he saying seven times? Because according to the, um, the Jews, okay, the, the laws of the, of the Jews, if someone sins against you three times, Okay, then you have to, um, how do you call it, um, pay the person back or, or, yes, okay. So Peter thought he was doing good by saying that, oh God, uh, is it seven times? Verse 20, and Jesus said unto, unto him, I say not unto these seven times, but 70 times seven. Hmm. Why 70 times seven? Okay, people do the calculation and get four, four nine zero. Okay, but when you go to the book of Genesis, okay, there was a man called Lamak. Okay, now God told, when God, when God um, threw um, um, Cain away, okay, God told Cain that if anyone does anything to you, God shall avenge the person seven times, okay? Then Lamak also came and he also did something bad, okay? Um, but God forgive me and God said that if anyone avenges you, um, he's going to avenge the person um, 70 times, okay? So the 70 times 7, it has an Old Testament um, significance. Okay, and I will not dwell much onto, onto, onto him. Let's go to this, this parable. Verse 20, the kingdom of God therefore is um, likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Okay, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which hold him 
10,000 talents. Now, this 10,000 talents, and um, when you bring it into um, um, the contemporary value, okay, um, what is called the lexical synthetical, um, um, how do you call it, um, way of interpreting the, the scriptures, okay, that means you take what is there and you bring it into the contemporary value, okay, you realize that it is $17 million, okay, $17 million, and I want you to keep this value in your, in your head, $17 million, okay. So this person is owing him $17 million, okay, so it's 25. But for as much as um, um, he had not uh, um, um, to pay, okay, he didn't have money to pay. So his Lord commanded him to be sold, he, his wife, his children, okay, and all that he had and payments to be made, okay. And the, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and lose him and forgive him the debt. Uh, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him 100 pence. Now, the 100 pence, when we bring it into our, our, our contemporary value, okay, it is only $17, $17, so 100 pence, $17. And that guy was owing the Lord 10,000 talents, which is $17 million. So it's a factor of 1 million. Okay, let's see. Let's see what happened. Uh, let, let's see what happened. Verse um, um, twenty-eight. But that servant went out, found one of his servants which owned him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the truth. Imagine that he took him by the truth, pushed him to the wall, okay, and then lifted him up, okay, um, um, um trying to asphyxiate him, okay, like yeah, said, "Pay me that which thou um, um owest." Okay, verse twenty-nine. And that servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee. And this was exactly the same thing that this, this, this uh, um, the one who is holding him up, okay, said unto the Lord, It should have reminded him that I had said this to someone, okay, I was owing someone, and I, um, um, how do you call it, asked um, for patience from that person, okay, verse uh, 30. And, and he would not. But he went out and cast this person into prison till he paid him all the debts. Hmm. Okay, verse 31. So when his fellow um, servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came to him and told their Lord all that was done. And then the Lord came. Um, 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 of course, then his Lord, after he, he had called himself to him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt. Um, because thou desired me, okay, verse 33, shouldest not thou have also for, have compassion on thy fellow servants, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you. If ye from thy hearts forgive not every one his brother, yeah, trespasses, okay? Now, um, it's, 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 it's important to understand what is happening over here because um, the, the Lord is saying that okay, if you consider how much you have been forgiven, then you forgive another person. Okay. Um, it's, 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 it's serious over here. It's serious over here. Because this is someone who, who was forgiven $17 million and he could not forgive someone who was... Um, owing him just just seventeen dollars, a factor of 
um, one million, okay? And what Christ is saying over here is that when someone offends you and you, and you are finding it difficult to, to, um, to forgive that person, okay? When someone offends you and, and you are finding it difficult to forgive that person, um, God, God doesn't understand that. Look at how much I have forgiven you, okay? And you cannot forgive your friend. You see? Um, so, so, so what is happening here is that um, God is saying that when, when I calculate how much I have forgiven you, okay, um, um, I, I seem not to understand why you cannot forgive your friend. Oh, yes, yes, that's, that's what God is saying. And then, um, therefore, the response of a Christian should be, okay, to your brother that you cannot hurt me as much as I have hurt God. So Jesus is saying that uh, um, forgiveness is, is, is critical in, in the kingdom of God because one's ability to forgive shows one's um, comprehension and apprehension of God's forgiveness. Because if you comprehend, not only comprehend, but you have also apprehended the forgiveness of the Father, you also forgive, forgive other people. And one, one thing I always add when I'm talking about this is that you see, God, God is someone who doesn't forget because we say God is omniscient. But when it comes to our offenses, God has forgotten our offenses. You see, it's, it's quite paradoxical over here. When it comes, the only thing that God forgets is your offenses. And he casts it into like a perpetual pool of unremembrance. Okay. Um, so so it's, 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 it's critical that if someone offends you, okay, you know, some Christians, they hold it, I don't know, like they can't forgive and, and they say, oh, but you see, when you look at how much God has forgiven you, and you understand how much God has forgiven you, then you also forgive your brother. Okay, let's 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 quickly go to chapter nineteen. Our time is up, but um, let, let's let's do this quickly. Verse nineteen. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished saying these things, he departed from Galilee and came to the coast of Judea, and beyond Jordan. And a great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. Okay. Then the Pharisees came unto him, tempting him. And saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And um, he answered unto them, Have you not read um, that he which made them at the beginning, that is God, okay, made them male and female? And he said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be cleaved unto his wife, and the twin shall be one flesh. Okay, um, yesterday I was explaining to some people that when the Bible says the two shall be one flesh, okay, um, we tend to make it mystical, okay, we, we tend to um, make it mysterious, but it, it's very practical, okay. If you go and marry someone who has HIV is, okay, of course, the two will be one, you, you also share in it, okay. You go and marry someone who is blind, you are going to share in the person's blind, you become one, you have to help the person and do all the other things, okay. If you go and... Um, um, how do you cleave yourself to someone who is who is who is not pure? You become one. Okay, the two shall be one. That is the, the practical aspect. Okay, and it also has spiritual implications. Okay, that one you, you should see yourself as one body. The man being the head, the woman being the body. So it's one entity, one organism. Okay, okay. Verse thirty six. Therefore, they are no more twin, but one flesh. Okay, what therefore God has joined, let no man put asunder. Of course, we hear this a lot when you go for marriage, I mean weddings. Verse seven. And um, they said unto him, why did Moses then command um, uh, to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? Okay, so now Jesus is saying that let no man break the marriage, okay? Let, let no man put what God has put together, okay? 
Well, um, sometimes I ask that uh, if, if God can put marriages together, then I, I think Satan, who is an imitator of God, can also put marriages together. Well, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but what God has joined, let no man put asunder. Okay. The emphasis is what God has joined, let no man put asunder. Okay. But you see here, the mistake they made over here is that, you see, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, they are saying that, they are asking God, that, why did Moses then command us concerning divorce? But you see, Moses did not command them concerning divorce. What Moses did was that Moses permitted, okay, there are two differences, to command and to permit are different, okay? Now, Jesus is going to explain why Moses permitted that. Verse 8, and he said unto them, Moses, because of, your, of the hardness of your heart, okay, suffered or endured or permitted you to put your, away your wives, Okay, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, okay, and shall marry another one committed adultery. Okay, so here what, what Jesus is saying that the only um exception, okay, the only reason why you should divorce is in the case of, of fornication. Okay, of course, if, if your wife doesn't know how to cook well. Or your husband is um, something or, um, from the scripture is in red. This is what God Christ is saying, okay, except fornication. So it's very critical that whoever you are going to marry, you make sure that it's the right person, okay. Uh, sometimes it's difficult, but um, this is what the Bible is saying, okay, and let's take it as it is. Verse 11 His disciples said unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, then it is good not to marry. So he's saying that if um, there are going to be issues concerning marriages, then it's good that we don't marry. What do you think? Okay, then this is what Jesus is saying. All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. So, you see, Jesus understands that the, uh, not everyone can, can, can um, how do you call it, um, receive certain depth of his teaching. Okay, so he, he makes room for those that cannot um, receive. Okay, so that's what he's saying over here. Verse 12, for some were made Enoch's, okay, which were born from their mother's womb. Others were made Enoch's of men, okay. Um, of course, um, the example over here was uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and then Daniel. These people were made Enoch's, okay. When, when Nebuchadnezzar took them, what Nebuchadnezzar did was that he, he actually um, um, used metals to crush their, their testicles, okay. Yes, uh, he, he was very wicked. And he made them so when, when you do that you we, we have we have um, castrated you okay um, wickedly okay they've castrated. that's what they, was done to um, these people that's also another message on its own okay and some of them have made themselves enough for the kingdom of heaven's sake okay so there are some people that are not um, going to marry because of the kingdom of god so god is not going to make any law about that okay if you decide not to marry it's fine okay jesus did not marry Okay, Paul, 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 Paul did not marry, but there are some issues. Okay, uh -huh. so, but of course, we know that Peter married because when, when we looked at the earlier verse, we saw that we saw Peter had a mother in law. Okay, so that's that's implied that um, Peter married. Okay, but they are, I mean, uh, uh, how do you call it? He's saying that uh, not everyone can receive this, this saying. Okay, verse 13. And they brought unto him little ones that he should put his son on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Suffer or endure the little children and forbid them not okay to come unto me for of such uh, is, is the kingdom of heaven and he laid his hand on them and and departed the hands verse 16 and behold 
one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Verse 17, Jesus said unto him, Why callest me, um, why callest thou me good? Okay, there is none good but one, that is God. Uh, but if thou would enter into life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, um, he said unto him, which, which of the commandments? Then Jesus said, Oh, thou shalt do no murder, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witnesses. These commandments, honor thy father and thy mother, love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these I have kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Hmm. Verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and, you see, if you, you want to enter into the realms of perfection, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Uh, and come and follow me. Of course, when we looked at um, Matthew um, chapter 6, we saw how to make spiritual transaction, okay? That you, you, you can make spiritual transaction by, by um, 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 taking your, your earthly possessions, okay? And then um, um, helping others, helping others, okay? And anytime you help others, you help further the kingdom of God, you are making spiritual transaction and you are storing up treasure for yourself in heaven, okay? Now here, Jesus was not being wicked or rude okay by telling the guy to go and sell all his, um, his items okay but what he was pointing out to us this was actually a test okay what he was pointing out to us is that this guy's hat is in his possessions you see you can have material things okay and and use them as you want okay but there are some people that you see god god is not concerned about the possessions that you you have okay what God is more concerned about is when your possessions possess you and now your heart is within your, 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 your possession and then uh, um, your, your whole mind and your whole life and everything's about how do I get this? How do I get this? How do I get this? Okay. Uh, so when, when your possession, oh, let, me, let me charge my phone. When, when your possession, uh, um, how do you call it, um, possesses you, then that's when you, you have an issue. Okay. Uh, one minute. Okay, great. So verse, verse, verse 22. But when the young man heard of the saying, he went away sorrowful, um, for he had great possessions. Verse 23. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man hardly enters into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, hardly. He didn't say never. Hardly. Verse 24, and again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the, the, the kingdom of God. Okay, here, um, the, the term eye of a needle, a lot of people have um, se several meanings, okay? They say that the eye of a needle is actually, uh, um, uh, um, how do you call it, a space, okay? There is a place where um, they, they have certain caves, okay? The caves were so small that um, um usually only only one person can actually slip through okay into the the town okay so um, um, usually because of 
uh, walls, okay, beyond their, their, those periods, okay, what they do is that they make the entrance to their cities, okay, so small that only one person can pass through, okay, so only, it, the space can accommodate only one person at a time, okay, so the rest of you, you must be in straight, in a straight line to actually use that path into the city, okay, so they call that the eye of a needle, okay, and so that's when when the en the enemies are coming, okay, they can't uh, um, come in in box. If they are coming, they'll be coming one one after the other, and then the, the the soldiers of the other side can can actually deal with them, okay. So that is what is called the eye eye of an idol, okay. That that is one um, interpretation of this scripture, okay. But um, when you take it literally as it is, okay, and one of the writers he said that um, um, when when you look at the meaning of the of the needle, it's just a normal needle. It's just the needle we know. Uh, so therefore, um, um, he's saying that we shouldn't tend to um, uh, make an um, um, how do you call it and um, make it metaphorical or allegorical. Okay, he's saying that this is what Christ is saying: the eye of an idol is the eye of an idol, and and there are several other things over there. Okay, but you see, the reason why it is very difficult is because most often than not, the rich allows their possessions to to draw their hearts. Okay, to draw their hearts from God, and therefore that is why before you get rich. I'm sure we are all young people, okay? We are all going to be very, very rich. Before we get rich, we must uh, indoctrinate ourselves with, with God. We must love God so that when we get there, the material things do not um, drive our hearts away from God, okay? Verse 22, but when the young man heard of the saying, okay, he went away, so okay, okay we've done all, all those. Let's go to 25, okay? And his disciples, and when his disciples heard of this, they were exceedingly amazed and said, hey, then who, who then can be saved? Then Jesus and behead on behead them and, and said unto them, With men it is impossible, but God all things are possible. Then answered Peter unto him, saying, Behold, we have forsaken all, and we have followed you. Look at Peter. He had forsaken. I think we will end at verse um, chapter 19, okay, and then we will do the 20 next week. Now Peter is saying that we have forsaken all. Now, when Peter says we have forsaken all, indeed, and in fact, they have forsaken everything. Peter is someone who has lived all his life as a fisherman, okay? His father had trained him, and now he has been able to gather some money to buy a ship, okay? And he's, uh, he's, he's actually having his business, and business is booming. And at the, at the prime of his business, then came this man who said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately, Peter left all and followed him. So Peter is saying that, God, Charlie, we have followed you. And it looks like these three years, we are not seeing anything. We don't have money. We don't have anything. Anytime we go to people's house, we are just eating from people's home. Charlie, this thing, will it work? Will it work? That's, that's Peter's concern over here. And um, verse 28 is saying that, and Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in his throne, and see the confidence and the truth with which Christ is saying this. That means that it is, you see, you cannot, he said, he used the word verily. Verily means it's of a truth. Okay, it is of a truth. It is certain, okay? He said that when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon 12, um, how do you call it, 12 thrones, judging the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? So he's saying that when in my kingdom, okay, you are going to have thrones, 12 thrones, designated for you guys okay verse 29 and everyone that has forsaken his house his brethren his sister his father his mother his wife his children his land for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life 
but many that's um our first shall be the last and the last shall also be first okay um oh god okay let me let, 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 let's just quickly run through the best the the, the the, the chapter 20 okay for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder and he went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day he sent them into his vineyard okay and they went out about the third hour so the third hour let me, let me show you about that the time when you are reading the bible the, the the jewish timings are very important okay so in in the times they, they divide their times into and um, what is called watches, okay, watches, W-A-T-C-H-E-S, okay, watches. So when you say one watch, one watch is four hours, okay? So they have four watches of the day and four watches at night. So the first watch, when you say the first watch, okay, so the, the first watch is um, um, 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. is the first watch. Then the second watch is going to be 9, then 12, then from 12 to... So 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 from six so from six to nine is the first watch, then from nine, six to nine is the first watch. Then nine to twelve is the second watch. Then twelve to three is the third watch. Then um, three to six is the fourth watch of the day. Okay. Then the watches of the night will begin. That is from six p.m. to nine p.m. is the first watch of the night. Then it, it goes on and goes on like that. Okay. So that those are the watches. Okay. So here he said that. And he went out about the third hour. So the third hour here is 9 a.m., okay? So their first hour starts at 6 a.m. So about the third hour, which is 9 a.m. He saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he went unto them, go ye also into the vineyard, okay? And whatsoever is right, I will give unto you. And they went their way. Then the seat and ninth hour. So the seat, so we said the third hour is like um, 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 9 a.m. The seat hour is like 12 okay the ninth hour is going to be like 3 um, 3 p.m okay the same thing but six and about the 11th hour i'm sure in english we we use the term 11th hour and it came from 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 uh, how do you call it, the, the scriptures okay about the 11th hour so the 11th hour is like 5 p.m you see they close by 6 p.m so 11th hour which is 5 p.m he went out and also found others standing idle and he said unto them why are you standing here idle all day look at where they were standing in the marketplace and they were idle okay so now that means that there are some people there are some christians who are idle in god's perspective okay now their idleness was um, um how do you call it um was actually to their work in the vineyard okay not what they were doing in the market okay so now that's what christ is saying that there are some people that are doing nothing when it comes to the vineyard which represent the kingdom of god and it's in the 11th hour it's at the time that Christ is almost coming, the 11th hour, the last moments, but yet Christ is still calling people and giving people opportunity to come and fellowship and work with him in the vineyard. Okay, and he said that whatever is due yours, I'm going to give unto you. Okay, now, now that's what Christ is saying over here. Okay, verse, verse 7. And they said unto him, because no man has hired us, and he said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, ye shall receive. And when evening was come, that's 6 p.m., the Lord of the Vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their the, the high from the, um, the last unto the first. So, what was actually those that actually came last were those that received their, their payment first. And they all received equal payment one penny, one penny, one penny. So, those that, those that came early in the morning, 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., they were angry that we, we've worked all the day long and then 
you are giving us the same amount of money as those that came is okay does this mean that this um, um, um lord is unjust of course he's not unjust because when he was hiring the first people he told them i'm going to give you one penny so the amount that i'm giving unto you is what i agreed to give unto you okay but the fact that you've seen that another person who came late is also receiving a certain amount of money okay doesn't mean that you should be jealous of course, um, um, the, the payment that the master was giving them was not even based on their works, okay? And this, this leads, leads us to what is, what, is, what is salvation. Of course, this is a typology of salvation, okay? That it's not your works that gives you the price of salvation. It is the master's own um, decision to pay you. So, you see, um, um, of course, uh, uh, one illustration over here is, 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 is the, the, the medra that was on the cross okay you can see people like peter and paul they had worked all their lives for for christ they went to heaven okay this person has been a murderer all his life and on the cross within five seconds he entered he got saved and got into the kingdom of god so can you say that can peter and paul say that ah why is that me i'm saved i'm in heaven and then this person over here and um, how do you call it just just he didn't do anything for you and then just last minute all he did was that remember me in your in your in in, in paradise and then the person is also saved okay uh, but the attitude of those that went early should be that of joy to see that other people have also come into the kingdom of God. Okay, now we are in the dispensation where a lot of, when, when someone says that someone is doing something for the Lord, they want to just, um, how do you call it, bring them down or something like that, okay? But we, it, it's, it's with joy that we receive people to help us work, okay? It's, it's even joy that someone has come to help you finish the assignment that the, the master has given to you, okay? So that's something that we um, the, the implication of, 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 of this parable. Okay. Um I'll I'll go to 17. Okay, then then and Jesus um going up to Jerusalem took up the 12 disciples um apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the son of man shall be betrayed, okay, unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, okay, and shall deliver him. Um um, deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the day that he shall rise again. See the, the number of times that Christ has been prophesying about his death. Verse 20. Then came to him the mothers of Zebedee, uh, Zebedee's children, with, with her sons, worshiping him and designing certain things of him. Uh, and 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 um, he said unto her, What what wilt thou? What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus said unto him, Grant that these my sons may sit one on thy right hand and one on thy left hand in the kingdom of god uh, in, i mean in, in thy kingdom now the attitude of this mother is what I, I want i want us to consider this is a mother who was wrestling that her children will make it into the kingdom of heaven a mother that had come to god a mother on her knees praying that her children would make it into the kingdom of, of heaven and that that's the attitude that's all, all the ladies here should, should have you see how how the, the 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 lady or the woman went to christ Praying not even for herself, but that God, let my my children be with thee in thy kingdom. Let one sit on thy right and one sit on thy left hand. Uh, but 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 of course, of course, Jesus um, answered and said, and you don't know what you're asking. Okay, are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and baptize of the baptism that I shall be baptized with? And they said unto him, Oh, now the children are saying unto him, Oh, we are well able. Now they didn't know that the cup and the baptism of that of suffering, of that of death. Now these two children are. Um, James and John, right? I think so. Um, yes, um, yeah, I think so. But you see, you, you realize that James 
in the book of Acts, he was killed. <laughs> he was beheaded, okay? Because he said, we are well able to drink of the cup. Well, the cup will be handed on over to you soon. Verse 23, and he said unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and shall be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on, the right, on my right and to sit on my left is not mine to give, okay? But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Uh, and, and when the ten heard of this, they were moved with indignation against the two. Now, you see, you see what I, I was talking about, the, that, that kind of competition, that kind of, of uh, um, um, internal conflict amongst the disciples. Why is that you people are going to ask for a place in the kingdom of heaven, okay? Uh, but Jesus called um, um, but, but Jesus called them unto him and said, uh, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority over them. But let it not be so amongst you, okay? Um, don't, don't just be looking for positions. Don't just be looking for dominion and, and, and other things, okay? Um, but, but it shall not be so amongst you, but whosoever will be the great among him, Okay, let him be your minister, or the one that serves is the one that is going to be the greatest. Okay, verse 27. But um, whosoever shall be chief amongst you, let him be your servant, even as the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And as they depart from Jericho, a great multitude followed them. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. And when they had heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them. Because, um, I mean, because they should hold their peace or they should be quiet. But they cried the more, saying, have mercy on us. Ah, oh, Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because, okay, okay, absolutely. Okay, verse 32. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will ye that I should do unto you? Then they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes um, received sight and they followed him. Now you see, you've not been blind before. Okay, that's that's why you are not uh, you are you are asking the, the blind man to shut up. But when you know, or when you are in a situation that you know that this one, no man can help me. The only person that can help me is God. Then you do not allow people's view or people's um, um, how do you call it um, thoughts or um, to to inhibit your relationship with God and how much you you can receive from God. You see, there are some people that they are okay. Okay, so so um, they, they 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 don't really need 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 God. I mean, in their in, in their own eyes, okay. But there are some of us that we need God, and we are crying to Him, "Oh Lord, save us." So when when you are praying, and then your, your people are saying, "Why are you praying too much? Why are you reading the Bible too much? Why are you doing this all too, too much?" You see, and understand that they, they they don't have need, they don't have any need. But you are the one that you have need of the Lord. You understand that blessed are they that are poor in spirits okay we understood that the poorness of spirits are the humble those that know that without god um, and, and, and they cannot do anything okay and that's um it's not by our works but it's by the grace of god as paul said and that by the grace of god i am what i am okay so that ends the chapter 20. so by god's grace we've done 20 chapters of the book of matthew and we've analyzed um all of them so next week, we are going to look at the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And then um, with that, I'm going to, to um, um, give us the, the, the calendar of time, okay? The calendar of time. And why the transfiguration was a very important period because the prophet Daniel had prophesied um, to that exact day, that exact day, 
Okay, and that is going to begin another period of time. And um, eventually it will lead us into eschatology, which we'll look in chapter 24 and chapter 25 in the subsequent um, sections. Okay, so that's what we are going to look at next week. Um, God bless you all for joining. And um, does anyone have any questions? I think I can end the recording.